Trust 20 is the new standard of restaurant safety and diner comfort. Trust 20 restaurants are part of a national network of restaurants that meet a high standard of cleanliness and safety, giving diners confidence in the measures you're taking to keep them safe. Trust 20 restaurants receive expert guidance, operational resources, and benefit from diner-focused promotion on behalf of Trust 20 network of participants. So how do you get certified? It's easy. First, go to trust20.co and request a certification appointment. Then, a Trust20 specialist will reach out and arrange a visit. The specialist conducts a 60-minute review and consultation according to Trust20 tactics. If adjustments are needed, the Trust20 specialist will provide guidance to assist. Now that you're certified, have peace of mind that you're doing everything you can to keep your restaurant safe and start enjoying the benefits of Trust20 certification. Remember, visit trust20.co to request your certification appointment today. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. Happy Monday to you and yours. Now, some of you may be listening to this on Sunday because I released this episode on Sunday ahead of Monday, and if you were a subscriber, you got a notification. So if you would like exclusive content, uh, when I release it early, go ahead and click that subscribe button. I also released the YouTube version of this episode um, a couple hours before I released the audio version. So it was out Sunday like at football time. So go to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. I keep putting videos up there, back issue, kind of older videos. I keep going back and finally getting time to edit and putting them up there. So we just appreciate you guys listening completely for any any part of it. So that gets us to uh, today. We have BJ Luffback. And BJ is the owner of Pinchy's Lobster Company. And he was the he was kind of one of the OGs back in the food truck days. He had Riff's uh, Fine Street Food. And um, he then pivoted over to um, Funk Soul Brother, which was just a fantastic Korean food kind of street truck that turned into kind of a brick and mortar. And um, he's kind of just been a leader and an innovator in the hospitality industry for several years now. Um, since like 2011, he's been somebody who, uh, you, you have to listen to his story. It's really fantastic. I just enjoyed talking to him so much. A couple little news outlets for you. Um, is it Alabrija, uh, Edgar Victoria's uh, pop-up is going to be tonight. And that tonight is Monday, October the 12th. He is doing a pop-up at the Southern. And it is an industry night, a Mezcal industry night. And it's his last pop-up with um, Julio and uh, Julio Hernandez from Mais de la Vida. So that's going to be tonight from 5 to 10 at the Southern or until they sell out. Uh, another big thing is opening on Tuesday at the Farmer's Market. Succulent Vegan Tacos is going to be opening their doors. So if you like... 
that if you like succulent vegan tacos they're gonna be opening tuesday for service at the farmer's market i've heard nothing but good things about them and then the continental sean brock's new spot in the grand hyatt is officially open for takeout and delivery so if you're dying to try that um get in there do takeout do delivery and uh, let us know if you're out there eating really cool things and you're seeing cool things in the restaurant industry Take a picture of it, put it on your socials, and use the hashtag Nashville Hot List. One word, Nashville Hot List. Hashtag Nashville Hot List. And let us know what you think is awesome because the new Hot List will be out in November. And we are looking for you to help us identify who needs to be at the top of that Nashville Hot List. Uh, that being said, you heard an advertisement there at the beginning from Trust 20. These guys are coming out and certifying restaurants right and left. Just ask A. Marshall Hospitality's Puckett's and Deacon's New South, who are officially Trust 20 certified. They are 20 tactics you can do to ensure the safety of your guests as well as um, your staff. So make sure we're doing that. Let's be proactive in doing that. And uh, I hope that you guys enjoy this episode today. It's a good one. Uh, one of my favorite episodes and go online to our Instagram and our Facebook page and you can see one of our, um, he did a one star video. So I talk about it in the interview, but he did a one star, he read a one star review. We've put it out there. Also go check us out on TikTok. That's where I put all of our restaurant reviews and um, it's good stuff. So thank you guys again for listening. Let's jump right in. With much enthusiasm and excitement, I want to welcome in BJ Lofback, the owner of Pinchy's Lobster Company to Nashville Restaurant Radio. Welcome, BJ. Thank you, Brandon. It's really, really cool to be on with you. I've been uh, I've been watching so many people get interviewed on here and going, come on, man. And finally, here I am. Here you are. You've made it. <laughs> I'm very humbled by that statement. And I hope that there's nobody out there who feels like I am sliding them by having not interviewed them yet. Oh, trust uh, me. There are. I think this is a lot more about you than, uh, than anything else. <laughs> How many people can you interview in a day? Uh, you'll get to them. I mean, you'd run out of people before you can even uh, before we can even get anywhere with it. So it's so uh, this. It's funny you say that because this is an intentional thing. I mean, like I was doing four to five interviews a week when I first started. We're in the middle of COVID nineteen yeah. thing, and I was like, I just got to do this. And finally, after about four or five weeks, a I was. A, incredibly exhausted like physically and mentally and then i thought if i do five a week i'm gonna run out of people and so and i, I made it a monday wednesday friday deal uh really to give myself some sanity and not overload everybody but i didn't want to run out of people so well it's kind of cool you've gained viewers you've gained uh, a following so everybody that that hasn't been on yet gets to gets to get a little bit more of, a, of, of your platform so it's uh it's probably a good thing anybody out there that feels slighted uh feel lucky that that you got to to wait a little bit because uh it's just going to get better and better i like what you do man well thank you so much i like what you do and i've liked what you've done ever since funk soul brother um which is just such a cool concept that you did and you used to have, was it right off of like, right, like by Ben and Jerry's right there was, did you have a little spot that was right yeah. there? Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, just to, to kind of uh, bring the a very brief history into it, when I opened my food truck in 2011, 
Um, I called it Riff's Fine Street Food. Riff's, obviously, for Nashville and, and all that kind of stuff, but also because I didn't know what to circle in on. I, 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 I left my cooking career when I was but a wee lad and became a family man and did what I had to do to support a family. And then when I turned 40 years old, I was like, okay, now it's my turn. I'm going to take all these things that I've learned and, and just do what I want to do. And, and, but when I made the, the Asian food, that's the things that resonated with people more than anything, specifically Korean fried chicken, which it's fried chicken. It's almost cheating. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, such an easy thing to, uh, to make people like. Um, but that's when the idea of Funk Soul Brother was born. And, and, you know, do I dare as a white guy from Detroit go ahead and, and, and mess with the cuisine that, uh, that is from a culture that's not mine, uh, a cuisine that I didn't grow up eating? Am you I dare? You dare. You know, and and so with that kind of grew into a very very brief stint with uh, with a, a brick and mortar location um, that focused on poke and sushi burritos. If there's one thing that I've always done, it's jump on food trends as early as possible, and uh, not so much intentional. It was just kind of I was used to doing that through the years with riffs, doing whatever I wanted. I would change on a dime, and and riffs afforded me that luxury. I don't know if that's necessarily what it was, but um, I have a short attention span. And that, uh, and so I did that briefly over there uh, with Vanderbilt. It was not the best business decision I've ever made and uh, got out of that. Um, uh, scarred but smarter. And that's kind of been the theme of my career uh, in the in professional culinary uh, the world is... Uh, you know, throw it up against the wall, see if it sticks. And uh, if it does, cool, but I'll get bored and I'll do something else soon. But the reality is there's a lot of scars and there's a little bit more smarts. Well, there's so much there to unpack. I don't even know what my next follow-up question is going to be. I'm still with you on that. You're, you're right. But the food truck thing, like you, um, you've always been passionate about the food trucks, right? And I always will be. I love this world. I, I love the, most of the people in it. Um, the in in 2011, we were uh, a, a group of ragtag, you know, uh, almost. It, it felt almost like like being pirates a little bit. We're going out to property owners and explaining what a food truck was. I mean, this is this is pre Food Network making it a thing. This is pre. Um, you know, it just started hitting in, uh, in LA and New York city in 2009, where people were taking the taco truck model that was always successful and putting other cuisines in it. And, and that's when I went, this is my way of being able to get into the food world and, and have a career and, and show people what I can do with food. And so I started watching that in 2009 in early 2010, I had a truck in my driveway that I bought in New York city, um, in a very, very sketchy deal, uh, <laughs> super sketchy. And after never driving a truck that size, I drove it from New York city to, uh, to back to here in Nashville and started building a food truck, started putting a kitchen in the back of a truck. I didn't know what I was doing. 
Um, I had no idea. And when I finally had something that the health department said, okay, yeah, you, you can, you can make food in this and it won't make people sick, hopefully. Right. Um, and I thought I was going to be the first food truck to open in Nashville, Tennessee. Then all of a sudden I found out that Moss Tacos had already been doing it for quite some time and was incredible. Um, there were a couple of other people doing it. Grilled Cheesery opened about uh, five months before I did. Um, I was, it's kind of a funny story with them because uh, I thought, well, my truck's ready. Uh, my menu's ready. And, but who would be insane enough to open a food truck as soon as winter is starting? Grilled Cheesery. <laughs> Grilled Cheesery did it beautifully. They're an incredible yeah. story. Perfect. One that I really hope uh, they tell you. Um, and, uh, I mean, you'd have probably have to do a two-parter with them from the food truck uh, situation on into um, their, their brick and mortar. And, and Joseph and Crystal are, are amazing. We've had a, a definitely a roller coaster relationship, competitors, friends, competitors, friends. Um, but in, in April of 2011, I opened a truck, not having a clue how, not having a clue what, didn't know how it was going to resonate, but... It did. And I guess I was shocked and not shocked all at the same time. So why not brick and mortar? Because I couldn't afford it. Um, there's there's no yeah. way I could afford it. And it Can was I, a huge risk. I almost want to go back. I want to go back now because you, you skipped over a large part of your life. You said, <laughs> I did this, this. And then when I turned 40, I, you, you said at an early age, you were in the culinary industry. Or you worked in yeah. restaurants, probably like any of us did when we were young. And yeah. then you left that business. What did you do in that time frame from I left working in restaurants as a kid to I'm 40, I've done the family thing, I've got wife and kids, and now I want to go follow my kind of my passions or my dreams. What did you what did you do? Well, like any uh, um, young 20 something, um, you know, if you're single, you can work at a restaurant. And I loved I worked at a, a, a pizza place, an Italian place um, and loved it love that life. But when, you know, family comes along, you're like, you, you not only can't live that kind of schedule, but you also can't make that kind of money. You have to make more money. Well, at that time in, in the greater Detroit area, um, if you could pass a drug test, you could walk into many different buildings that made parts for, uh, for cars and, and, and trinkets and things. And, and you could make really good money. It was hard work. But and you earned that money, but you could do it, and so that's what I did. I, I got a job at uh, at a at a place that made axle shafts for uh, Ford Mustangs and Ford F one fifties, and um, and just worked and brought home money and took care of the kids and did what I needed to do, and I did that uh, up until um, two thousand one when a friend of mine was starting an internet marketing business, you think of 2001, everything's just kind of, everybody's figuring out how to do internet with business. It, yeah. it, it's not just, uh, you know, pictures of kittens and other nefarious things on the internet. People are starting to figure out how to, uh, uh, to use it for business. And so it was kind of a really serendipitous thing for what would ultimately uh, take me into the food truck world to be in internet marketing and convincing people who've been making money for a long time that the internet was a way to make more money. And 
uh, and learning how that process worked. So I had uh, nearly a 10 year career, um, a, a, a life sucking, I didn't, I didn't enjoy this at all. It, it wasn't anything that was satisfying me, My, that creative person that was dying to do something, especially with food. And um, uh, I wasn't a good enough musician to, uh, to ever support myself with that. So that wasn't gonna be a problem um, ultimately for me. Um, so I did internet marketing and then, so the, it was the collision of, of social media and food trucks, the, the genius of Roy Choi in LA, um, taking, uh, everything he knew about his, uh, Korean culture and what he learned in, um, and, and being around the, the Latino culture as well. And then being able to reach out to these people that were communicating in this brand new medium um, to say, hey, we're going to be at this street corner at this ungodly hour. And so people that were, you know, coordinating themselves, coordinating friendships and, and all these types of things, uh, all of a sudden that collision, and it was a collision, um, it just skyrocketed this cool thing. And again, it was, it was on the outskirts. It was, it was, uh, um, if it, it, it allowed you to be in the know where maybe not everybody else was in the know. And then this really cool food, this exciting, interesting food that people had up in their brains, it gave them license to be able to do that. You wouldn't risk it. You, know, you couldn't convince an investor. I'm going to take Korean food and put it in a taco. No, nobody with lots of money is going to go, that sounds amazing. Let's do that. But, but you could convince someone to put it in a truck and take that risk, risk only a few thousand dollars as opposed to hundreds of thousands of millions. And sure. it resonated with people wildly. And then people like me who were sitting at home going, oh, I'd really, really like to be a chef one day. I'd really like to be able to do what I want to do without anyone telling me no. A food truck and being able to talk directly to my potential customers. Whoa. Just imagine realizing what that was in that moment at the point in my life that I was at. I, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't leave it alone. And so that's what caused me to be frustratingly. If I told you how many times I was sitting in, in, in the back of this truck, frustratingly trying to make plumbing work. Um, oh, I can imagine in a three compartment sink. So the health department would give me their blessing. I, there were tears, there was blood, <laughs> there was tons of sweat. Um, because at that time I had no idea where to buy a food truck None whatsoever. So I'll do it myself. That's how badly I wanted to do this thing. And that's, uh, that's a story that's been repeated across this country multiple times. I'm especially fond of those people that did it like me in 2010, 2011. But that's what makes that I mean that's America. I mean what you just described. I mean, that's the American dream is the ability to be able to do that. Yeah. Um so it's fascinating to me. Why what is it about being a cook? What is it? Because you're you you didn't go to culinary school. You're not a classically trained, you know, you didn't stage at some, you know, per se in New York for years. You just you had this passion. And I'm kind of putting I'm putting the puzzle pieces together here to kind of make up exactly who you are and to really tell your story because I'm I love this. Yeah, you're innovative. 
you recognize the internet 2001 as a way to, you know, functionalize business. I was at that point trying to figure out like that. I learned that computers were for other things other than solitaire at that point. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was like, you mean you can do other things besides play solitaire? This is great. Uh, You're already on that. And then you get into 2009, you identify food trucks. Um, What, where was this? Like, I want to be a chef. I mean, where did that come from? That, that started long, long before uh, when I was a kid. Um, uh, I loved eating and my mom hates it when I say this. Well, I think she kind of has accepted it. She laughs about it now, but food was not, I don't have a lot of nostalgic things growing up where it was like, my mom made the best this. Um, my mom was a career woman, as many career women were in, in Detroit, uh, greater Detroit um, in the in the 70s and 80s. When I grew up, uh, I made my own Kraft macaroni and cheese, and that was the culinary pinnacle of everything. And we didn't have tons of money, so it wasn't like I was, um, you know, uh, dining out a lot or anything like that. I, I often look at people like you know, you're Sean Brock or, or even like David Chang, these people that grew up with this rich culinary culture. And now they're yeah. creating that in fine dining experiences. Dude, I didn't have that. I didn't have that upbringing. I, my upbringing was just add water. You know, um, my upbringing was pour a can of cream of mushroom soup into, uh, you know, some noodles and some beef and, and, and you've got a quick dinner for you and your children. You know, that was, that was my upbringing. And, but, but occasionally I would go to my friend's houses where, where their moms, you know, did cook and I'd go, you can do this. This can happen. One day I found what I think was just a a wedding gift from my mom uh, in, uh, in in early twenties. I found the Betty Crocker cookbook and I'm talking, this is eight, nine years old. And so I was going through that cookbook and I'm finding things with just a few ingredients or a few steps. And I'd read the title and I'd be like, pancakes, you can make pancakes at home. And I would would make them. And when I didn't like them, I would keep trying. And uh, sometimes I would be at home making shortbread and lying to my parents when they said, why is the oven warm? And I'm like, "Mm, I don't have any idea. Um, I didn't want to get in trouble. But eventually, because of necessity, because my parents would get home, my mom and stepdad would get home, you know, five thirty, six o'clock. They'd say, make, make this, make this dinner. And I was going, well, this recipe sucks. And I'm kind of tweaking it and things just because I felt like I could make that better. And sometimes I did. Sometimes I didn't. And I would get told, you follow this recipe the way we tell you. And I'd go, okay. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And, and it was born from that. Well, my cousin was also very interested in, he was a couple of years uh, ahead of me and, and had a few more opportunities and he went to culinary school and I was like, God, I can't wait to go to culinary school. It's going to be so great. Um, and he, he, he went where a bunch of dudes that couldn't do it themselves, couldn't be successful themselves we're teaching French techniques and things and said, this is the way you have to do it. And they're, they're grading you on something that ultimately is creative. That's 
you're technique driven, but they're, they're beating that out of you and telling you this is the way things need to be done. How do you grade someone on meatloaf? My meatloaf, my favorite meatloaf and your favorite meatloaf could be two different things. And how do I sit across the table from you and go, your meatloaf is garbage. It's a C minus. I, I don't know. But that whole theory, after they beat that out of him and he stopped his love of cooking, I said, forget culinary school. I want to go learn from people that are doing it. I you want know to learn from people that are making it happen. That resonates so strongly with me. I was at MTSU and I left my third year uh, at MTSU. I was waiting tables and I, I recognized that I don't want to do anything else. I want to be in this business. And I had the opportunity to get into management at 22. They're moving to a different city to be in management where the owners were. And I made a decision to leave college and versus sitting in a classroom where somebody told me about their experiences with business I knew I wanted to be in the restaurant business. I knew I wanted to own a restaurant one day. That was going to be my goal. And I said, you know what? F it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go start doing this thing and start living that life and get the hands-on experience. And while it's not, I'm not recommending you leave college to go work in a restaurant. For me, that was my passion. I didn't want to learn somebody else's experience of running a business. I wanted to go do it and get my hands dirty and touch a hot stove and go, oh, I'm not going to do that again. I wanted to go make mistakes while I was young and I had the ability to do that. And that's what I did. And so I mean, it's, it's, but I also, uh, you know, I look back on it and I also see kind of what you're saying because I know the classically trained chefs, there's so many people miss so many detailed fundamentals that are absolutely necessity in business that I've had to learn over many, many, many years. And I'm sure you're, you're have learned if you, if you're not in the middle of learning, um, that there are some good technical things that you need to know that those guys beat into you because right. so many people, I use this reference all the time. So many people in restaurants, they just want to do, they want to get in there do the, the 360 dunk and they want to, and it's like, no, 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 the bounce pass. You need to learn the 60 second greet. You got to learn to have all the light bulbs burning. You got to learn all the things that are fundamentals in running a, an effective restaurant. It's like, no, no, no. I want to do, this amazing stuff is like you can't do that until you have a foundation. And some of that is what I think they teach you in culinary school is just this right. foundation of how to how to work with vendors, how to do all these other different things, which, you know, there's six and one hit half dozen the other that people kind of feel like this is how you should do it. I went the same route you did. And uh, I like that. that that's yeah. awesome. Well, there's certainly something to that in the in the sense of at the end of the day, they do teach you some fundamentals. Um it's it's kind of funny, but it's true that I learned many of those fundamentals from some really amazing people. One being Julia Child, one being Jacques Pepin, uh, Martin Yan, Justin Wilson. Because before Food Network, PBS was Food Network, and, yeah. and before Food Network started handing people a paper clip and some chewing gum and saying make a three star Michelin dish in, in five <laughs> seconds. Um, which I think is, it's just food entertainment. Asinine. And I'm, yeah. I'm embarrassed by it, uh, personally. Um, that and Yelp, I think, are two of the worst things that ever happened to, uh, and there are many, the worst things that ever happened to professional cooking, but um, I digress. Um, well, you're going you're gonna to read a Yelp one-star review for me later today, aren't you? 
Oh, I would love to. I've got so many, um, and a right. recent one that I that I will will uh, hopefully it's still up. Although I think I may have uh, beaten the man down to delete it. Um, I mean, it comes to I you. Stop taking that stuff anymore. But the uh, the whole idea here is is that I I took in um, the, the you know uh, those those early cooking TV shows, um, and then when VCRs became a thing. I started recording them and rewatching them and, and, and working on those techniques. And then I would beg for the cookbooks. And I never told my friends in high school what I was doing because it was, if, if you, uh, I don't know how old you are, but I, I, I was uh, 41, 41. I got, I got nine more years on you. Um, oh, so you I'm, 50? I'm going to be 50 in March. Um, oh my God, okay. You want me to get that? No, I can't. Believe, I cannot believe my ringer is on. Like, how did that even happen? Uh, I, I was Apologize. literally afraid I was going to do that. Um, I've but never it, done that. <laughs> the whole idea here is is that you can learn fundamentals, and and it's a, it's a hard road. Um, but it it's one thing that I didn't have to do was unlearn things. And so many times I'll be hiring people, and they'll come from a, a culinary program, and. These people are coming in saying, you know, thinking in their minds they're going to be on Food Network next week. And um, and I and I have to unteach them, you know, and, and they're coming in. Well, in culinary school, what we did was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just start like I told you, you know, I, it's you know, there's a lot of that. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some very amazing culinary programs out there that make amazing, talented people into people that are going to be successful. Um, but, you know, B.B. King didn't need to go to Juilliard. Um, you know, I, I don't think Clapton had to, to, to go to, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's, I know. Yeah. I know. There's, there's, there's some things that just, you, you got that. I wish I had it in, you know, the way they do in, in music, that would be my first love. But, uh, Probably the, the, to me, the same creative juices when I'm doing anything with music, which is purely a hobby and, and a joy, nothing else. Um, they're the same brain waves, same part of the mind that work in food. They're chords, they're, they're, uh, they're notes. This, this note is too high. This, this, uh, um, this flavor is uh, too muted. Um, you know, things like that. It's the same thinking. Um, for me personally. And, and, and so you can, you can learn that from, you can, I can, uh, or, a, you know, a young guitar player uh, can learn by watching and listening to masters. And I feel like I did that um, for a long time. Thankfully, I, I, I had a TV, I had cable TV, Alton Brown teaching me some of the basic techniques oh, the way he did. It's amazing. Uh, screw culinary school. Just get, Get an good entire box set of Good Eats and, uh, <laughs> and go to town. Um, I have said that those words to many, many people. And, uh, you know, yeah, if you can go to culinary school, do it. But don't go into debt. That's insane. These things are businesses. Realize that they're businesses. 100%. And, and Let me ask you. So you, when did you move to Nashville? 2001. Okay, so 2001, you moved to Literally Nashville. Literally before uh, World Trade, like uh, two weeks before the uh, World 9/11. Trade. 9-11. Uh, yeah. So wow. it, uh, it, it, was a, it was a weird time to hit. You know? 
So coming up, you're in Nashville. Let me ask you this question because, you know, it sounds like you've you've worked hard, you're intelligent, you're innovative, you're willing to to pivot on a dime. Um, so this, I can imagine that the the quarantine, all that stuff, we'll get into that. Yeah. You move into the food scene, you do your food truck, you've got Riff's Fine Food. Uh, how did the other people in this town, in the culinary industry, treat you? Because there's this industry is an interesting there's a lot of people, there's a couple different, we discussed the different types of chefs that there are for somebody who's from out of town initially to come to Nashville and to do something new without formal culinary training, without a, Hey, I used to work at F Scott's and I worked at the Hermitage hotel and I worked at these places. And now I'm going to do a food truck where you've got 50 people who you've worked with that are like, yeah, man, that's awesome. Congratulations. You kind of come out of nowhere. A self-taught cook who's opening a food truck. Now you're going to be kind of prey. I don't know what the perception was. If it's you're preying on brick and mortar restaurants business, how were you perceived? Like, what was your, did you feel like you were welcomed into the community or do you feel like people were like, go away? Um, All right. I'm going to make a very bold statement. Um, and then I'm going to answer your question, but it's kind of packed up into this. Okay. Um, and, and I love the question you just asked. Um, you would have a nearly impossible time convincing me that the spark that ignited Nashville's food renaissance, Nashville's food boom, was not food trucks. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to back up that statement while answering uh, what you what you just asked me. The culinary scene in Nashville was, I mean, what we have? Midtown Cafe, um, Sunset Grill. In 2001? I mean, 2001. Um, been, yeah, I mean, it wasn't in 2001. It certainly wasn't. I think 2005, 2006, restaurants started open. I think that's when it really, there was kind of a boom. Right. Well, I'm sorry. I'm, I meant 2011. Um, yeah, uh, you know, 10 years after I, I moved here. And, and I'm, I'm by no means suggesting that I was that spark. I, sure. was, I was but a mere, uh, you know, uh, a piece of tinder in, in making that happen. But There was a post-recession kind of, we're right. going to climb out of this thing. Everybody's super lean. There yeah. was people that were coming in. It was just, it's all of a sudden, people, it's true. People didn't care. There wasn't a... There, there, there wasn't. Uh, I mean, look at when it happened. Look when people started putting Nashville as its city. Um, food trucks started showing existing restaurant culture that people wanted more. People wanted interesting. People wanted exciting. We kind of took the risks. We didn't kind of take the risks. We did take the risks and and put ourselves at the forefront. So much so that in uh, in in late, uh, my lobster just showed up. And, uh, nice. Um, in 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 late 2011, the, uh, the the Tennessee Hospitality Association, pushed by uh, a, a man who uh, um, who I now respect very much in what he's done for the culinary community, but at the time we were pitted against each other. Mr. Randy Rayburn. Hey, hey, Randy, how you doing? I hope you're watching. I hope you're well. 
Um, hope to see you soon. He's a listener. Uh, I, I like Randy now, um, but I was sitting at the, uh, the traffic and parking commission meetings, hearing people say that food trucks are dangerous. Food trucks uh, want to park next to restaurants and steal our business. Food trucks, uh, just a bunch of just garbage. And then I, as, uh, as, as someone who's not afraid to shoot his mouth off, for better or for worse, um, is, I'm now sitting in front of this group of politicians saying, no, that's not true. Street food is a good thing. Look at any, any city in the world, New York, LA, Bangkok, you know, I mean, where, where are we talking that where street food isn't celebrated? Awesome. Nashville will benefit from street food. And we don't want to steal customers from restaurants. And we love restaurants. I love restaurants. I don't want to take anything from them. What I want to do is find my place and find my people. And, um, and they're like, well, you can just come into an area and, uh, and serve there. And if it's not good, you can go somewhere else. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can do that. That is true. However, I also have to put a restaurant in the back of a truck. If you knew how many times, Brandon, that I, I would work all morning on a certain sauce that was going to be on the special. And I'm so excited about it. We turn a corner and the fridge opens up that I thought was locked and falls on the floor and there's all the sauce. And then we go, Oh my God, what do you do now? And then you talk about pivoting. You talk, you're showing up and you've told Twitter and, and your, your, your growing number of fans that you're going to be a certain spot and they walk up and they want that thing. And you have to figure out how to make that thing now with next to nothing. Um, that's that's falling on your wits right there. That's falling on on your talent, your skills, and whatever you think you have. And sometimes something amazing came out of that, and sometimes it didn't. But going but going back to uh, what that was, um, food the, the 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 bell had already rung, and getting some politicians and some high priced lawyers to come in as Goliath, and here we are just a, I think there was only like eight or nine of us at the time. Um, and I'm shooting my mouth off. I'm sitting in front of these politicians saying, these guys don't have anything to be afraid of. Yeah. They pay property taxes, but we pay sales taxes too. Um, we are inspected. We are safe. We just want to go out and have our place. I don't want to share my customers with them either. I also stood there in front of them and said, we're not going to go park on Broadway. That's a that's an iconic part of this city, and it shouldn't be mucked up with food trucks. And so I was trying to give them the city everything that they needed to hear, and that negated everything that uh, that the established restaurant community was trying to do to stop us because they were afraid. And you know, Brandon, they damn well should have been afraid uh, because the talented people that were taking this risk were hungry and and good. And they made something awesome happen. And even though we're not on Food Network all the time, and even though it's not new and exciting, there's still some really, really cool things happening in food trucks right now. And, uh, and, and so, again, the community wasn't very receptive or excited as far as the culinary side. But the 
the customers, the people who eat food, loving it wildly excited. So that's gosh, I mean, that, as you're talking, and I, I asked that question because I just started imagining what you probably went through. I put myself in your shoes and I went, okay, I'm going to open a food truck in town and I'm going to do all of the things. I'm going to go around to different areas. I've created this new innovative thing that's happening in LA and New York, I'm bringing it to Nashville. And here we go. And I just imagine the opposition that you could have come across. So then was it you that created the Nashville food truck association? Uh, not necessarily. Um, you know, I, 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 was kind of thrust in a leadership position very early. And, and again, that is uh, got more to do with my willingness to talk and my, and my seeming lack of fear to stand in front of a group of people and, and say words. And that, I mean, you, you got to understand when you take every bit of money you have and something you've been waiting to do for a really, really long time in your life, um, and you and a little bit of a loan from your dad that he didn't really have either, but he believed in you. Um, and and you've got that in a vehicle. Um, it, it 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 puts some boldness. It puts some fire, you know, in you. And uh, so it 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 became pretty easy for me to stand up for what I wanted to do, um, for better or for worse. Um, and thankfully it was mostly for the better. Um, but the, the fear was there. So it, it drove me. And, and so the, the talented people that were also doing cool things said, okay, you be president of our association. And I went, okay, I'd rather it be in my hands, my future in my hands than anyone else's. So I said, okay. And uh, the funny thing is, 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 is you think about an association, it's, you know, like a, a legal entity, you think, you know, like there should be some paperwork involved or something. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and it's hilarious to me that we sat in a room and said, okay, the Nashville food truck association and, and that guy's president. And no one said, uh, is there is there like a, you know, do you have a form filled out? Is there any documentation? No one was asked. There, was there a quorum somewhere that uh, happened? Nothing. I mean, literally, it was only because the few food trucks, there was more of them that said, yes, we should have an association. And yes, that guy's the president than any others. It just, that was, you know, so BJ, you're the president of the Food Truck Association. I suppose I am. Sure. And, Why so not? There was this kind of cool media support happening. You know, the media loved this story. And because I was suddenly this president, you know, uh, and of the association, um, all, you know, when, when, when people were, were seeing, you know, the, the Nashville scene and, and, and things that I would get a phone call and says, Hey, we want to get your comment on the latest traffic and parking commission meeting. And I'd be okay. And they'd show up outside my truck at 11 AM as I'm getting ready to serve. And they'd go, can we get a comment on this? And I just start talking and then they'd put my face on TV and my name would get in the paper. And, uh, and, and that just added more 
uh, kind of uh, momentum to what we were doing as food trucks and kind of put me in a in a uh, profile position for it, which was sure. looking back was kind of cool for for my popularity and for the popularity of what we were doing. But I made no uh, delusions that it was me. You know, well, it also you know sets yourself up to be vulnerable also to take the hits. You know, yeah. with all that's what I say with all the restaurant tours and people. And Nashville is notoriously a tight community of right. restaurant tours. I mean, notoriously. Everybody that comes here is like, hey, you own a restaurant? Awesome. Let's give each other hugs. Like, we're all, how can I help you? So, you need a cup of butter? I got you. Like, everybody yeah. kind of loves each other. Right. And do you feel like the restaurant, the brick-and-mortar restaurant community is finally accepted? Yes. Rest, like, food trucks into that yeah. brotherhood or that try family? To deny, try to deny that a guy like Carl Worley what you know if you want to list the you know the the um i know you're listing the the best uh restaurants in nashville but if you want to talk about uh a, the list of restaurants that, that people come here or routinely visit try and put not put biscuit love on that list that's a food truck you yeah. started that in a food truck um grilled cheesery same thing but then we've got uh we've got existing restaurants like ml rose they have a food truck um Hugh uh, Babies, they got a food truck. You know, I mean, it's it's an accepted business model now, and and it's not it's not something anybody's embarrassed of, and they and they should not be. And yeah. so I'm the one standing here still as a food truck guy, and I don't want to stop being a food truck. Um, you know, people say Chef BJ Lofback, and I'm going, eh, eh thanks. You've earned it. But in, I, I really am more proud of the fact that I've been an industry leader in the food truck world and what I've been able to uh, continue to propel um, than anything. Um, I'm no longer involved in the National Food Truck Association because like anything, organizations become watered down and pointless. And that is certainly one of them. That's a whole other story. Um, wow. That was a but, uh, but the, yeah. the reality of the situation is, is that there are some talented, impressive things happening in, in the back of trucks right now. It's not just uh, brick and mortar locations. Um, so, there's also some, like with anything, there's also some, eh, you know. Uh, well, let me ask you, is awesome. what do you think the state of the union is right now? I mean, we've gone through a pandemic we're in the middle of it today. Well, they announced, you know, President Trump has this thing. Right. And um, we closed every restaurant for dine-in for, for, for a few months back in March and April and, and beginning of May. How is the food truck business model? I mean, we're not doing events. I mean, that was the big thing. Events, weddings, I mean, there's food trucks at all of these things. And now those things aren't happening. Can you give us kind of an update as to... I can't. I can't. Yeah. Let me tell you what happened. Um, let's back up to, uh, to the tornado and what it did to East Nashville, Mount Juliet and Cookville. It's not widely known that, um, at that time, um, well, I'll tell you my personal experience. I got a call from world central kitchen, chef Jose Andres, Andres, an incredible organization. I got a call from, from a representative from there and they said, uh, Hey, you're a food truck guy and you wrangle a lot of things. You do a lot of things. Will you, could you wrangle food trucks and, and help us help people? And I went, yeah, 
this sounds incredible. So I took three weeks off and, um, and myself and a, and a bunch of other food trucks took an entire tractor trailer worth of food that was donated by Cisco and coordinated by World Central Kitchen. They sent a guy down and said, I'm here to assist you. And I was like, once again, I am not qualified for this. Going to fake it till I make it. Uh, <laughs> got some help from, uh, uh, from Biscuit Love and Martin's Barbecue and a lot of other talented and wonderful, good-hearted people. Community comes together. Yeah. Oh man, it was fantastic. But we were in a unique position because we have mobile kitchens and we could serve fresh, hot food to people that needed it desperately. And we did. And it was awesome. And a lot of us said, don't worry. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do this. We'll, we'll, you know, take our income and put it off. You know, uh, late March is coming. April's coming. Those, that's some of our most profitable time of the year. We'll get that money back then. Well, then, then we got a pandemic, and that was scary. Um, and I sat in a room with a bunch of other industry leaders and some talented and concerned food truck owners, and we said, what are we going to do? And, well, the answer was this. you know, Food trucking is all about go to where the people are. And so where are the people? They're at home. Okay, we have mobile kitchens. You know, suck it up, man. Um, let's go find out how we can go pull into neighborhoods and give these people some good food that they're probably very sadly missing. And wow, was that exactly the case. Don't feel bad for food trucks because uh, when we had that idea and we started contacting HOAs and, um, and, and, and soon we started getting contacted directly from people that were like, will you come to our neighborhood too? And, and we started setting up through this wonderful program called Best Food Trucks, that whole other conversation. Um, my friend Matt Geller, the president of the National Food Truck Association, uh, has this incredible program that, that organized these things. We started setting up where, where food trucks could, uh, could, could schedule and be organized. And we went out and we started pulling into neighborhoods at like clubhouses and, and pools and things like that. Uh, apartment complexes and people were so thrilled to be quarantining we we had a contactless ordering system so all people had to do was order online we get the order on our phone uh technology was a wonderful thing we we didn't have to touch them they didn't have to touch us we just handed out the food some people were just setting the food on tables outside their trucks with name on it people would come and pick it up we did quite well we almost couldn't work enough we couldn't get to enough people and we've been doing that continually. Uh, funny thing is, is uh, uh, about a month ago, um, uh, the Associated Press did a story on this, and I was one of the people interviewed. Um, Today Show caught uh, wind of what was happening as this, here's this small business community uh, pivoting and, and, and in a unique position to continue to support ourselves and stay alive and, and help people get some some comfort by way of food in in where they're living um, rather than going out. And uh, the Today Show picked it up and, and they came here and, and filmed a segment uh, with me in, in, in my new truck, Pinchy's uh, Lobster Company. And, uh, and that segment aired probably, I don't know, 20 minutes ago. Uh, I haven't even seen it yet, but it's pretty exciting because they went to several cities across the country, including Nashville, and um, just to to show how cool this thing is. And it's a it's a 
cool thing, what we all did. Um, and it started happening all across the country. Um, we were one of the epicenters of having that idea and, and making it happen. Uh, food trucks are awesome. That's so awesome, man. I mean, no, I mean, that's what a great story. And I, you know, I've, I, I've heard that and I've seen that the food trucks in different neighborhoods, but just learning kind of how that came about and what that looked like. And um, we're kind of at that point here in the interview where we got to start wrapping up, but I just yeah. want to say we got to do this again. I mean, we, I we've, it. we have absolutely scratched the surface. <laughs> I feel like of so many things and uh, thank you. I just want to say thank you to you for, for coming on the show, but thank you for your, your leadership through all of that. And, you know, I think it's people like yourself who are innovative, that are willing to challenge the status quo, who have ideas and that stick up for their ideas and will go stand in front of legislators and will take the burden of leadership on to further something they absolutely believe in. I think more people need to be exactly like that. And I just want to say thank you for your, 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 10 years of, of hustling and making that happen. I want to know all about Pinchy's Lobster Company. Let's give what you're doing now at the factory in Franklin. Let's talk about that for a couple minutes. Let's do a full okay. plug. Real, Tell real me. quick, real quick. I, I would be remiss if I let you say all those nice things about me. And, and I just want to say that I am but one of a, a very, very talented group of people and other leaders that, that accomplished that. I just happened to get my name in the paper and, and get my face on TV a little more than others. And while I'm proud of what I've done and I'm proud that I'm still here and I'm proud that I'm still an industry leader, I love these people. I love this industry. Um, I, I, I'm not an island and uh, I'm, I'm in a band and I'm thrilled that I'm in that band and I'm thrilled that I'm, I'm somebody that gets to talk a little bit more. So thank you for that. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's talk about pinchies. <laughs> I, I love that. I'm in a band. I'm in a band. That's that's a, that's a good way to look at it. I love that. Pinchies uh, was born because uh, what I was doing with Funk's little brother was me cooking, and uh, and then and then finding ways to to stop and then put it in other people's hands and have that uh, have that be assembled and served. Um, when quarantine hit, I couldn't and continue to employ people. And I certainly couldn't do all of that anymore. So Funk's little brother in, which is my love. I love Korean food. I love Japanese food. I love the Korean culture. I'm thrilled that I've been embraced and supported by the Korean community as, uh, because uh, I am, I'm not Korean. I, uh, I'm, I am very, very, uh, not and and I'm I'm proud to to be able to have friends that that support me in that way, um, but Funksoul Brother because I'm so proud of it. It needed to stop and it needed to uh, uh, be in stasis and I needed something else. Um, I'll tell you the story of why lobster. Uh, if we have a, another conversation, because it's kind of funny and uh, and and it'll take a little bit of canvas for me to be honest on, on how it happened. Somebody pissed me off and uh, gave me a really good idea. And <laughs> somebody here in town, we'll leave it there for a second. I'm going to leave that dangling drooling topic right there. Oh. <laughs> uh, Brandon, I'm not afraid to tell it like it is. And it'll be, it'll require a little bit of that. But I, uh, 
I, I had this idea of what would a lobster roll look like if a white guy from Detroit did it, who's never been to New England? What would lobster stew taste like if he's never tasted it before, but kind of used what he thinks it should taste like and knowing what lobster is and, and what would, uh, what would lobster bisque be? And, uh, I already knew how to take, make uh, homemade potato chips. I'm not going to buy my potato chips. That's not who I am. I make things uh, that I could easily buy because I'm stupid. And then because <laughs> I like to eat well. Um, and uh, so, so basically Pinchy's was born out of the idea during quarantine of, I can do that. People like lobster and I probably can do it by myself. Um, maybe I could sit at the factory here and make lobster rolls and send them out through Uber Eats or, and maybe I could, uh, maybe I could go to, uh, my friends at Grilled Cheesery in that truck that they've had sitting outside their commissary for the last three years. Maybe they'll let me buy it and I'll turn that into pinchies and hold on to Funk Soul Brother. All of those things for some reason just kind of fell into place. And even some of the things we're making here now, the Nashville lobster, the Nashville hot lobster roll, for example, if you told me that I would be putting Nashville hot chicken seasonings in butter and poaching lobster in it and putting on a lobster roll, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't work. It would take over the lobster. It would mute the lobster flavor. It would, it would fail. It's amazing. It's unreal. And I'm proud to make it say that it's the, the signature dish of Pinchy's Lobster Company. Um, and the, the other cool things we're doing uh, are very exciting to me, how they've fallen into place. I don't know how to tell you all that story in the next 30 seconds or so. Well, I will. Uh, we are going to put a pin in it for now. I like it. And we are going to do this again. And if you're listening to this, stay tuned. Because, to be continued. Uh, can you put that right there? To be con- <laughs> I can actually. <laughs> I love it. It's one of the things I know how to do. Click uh, to subscribe. Yes. <laughs> to be continued. Hear the pinchy story at a future date. And I think that um, I like your choice of clothing today. I think that if you're not watching, you can see that we have we have both chose to wear uh, blue flannels today. That's right. You got the. Are you are you rocking the pearl snaps, Brandon? I am not. Uh, no. One day. One, one, day. one day I will get there. You see my to be continued now. That's right. Um, Next time we're thank on, you we're again. both wearing pearl snaps. What's that? Next time you're we're on, we're both wearing pearl snaps. Yes, and I will see you today because I'm going to come support you and have lunch over there today. I've got a couple meetings that end at like 11.45 noon, but then I'm going to head that way. I love this. You'll get to meet me today. We're going to film your one star too. Um, One thing I do, you may be aware of this. um, For all of my guests, I like to give them the final word. The last thing that we do in the interview is you get to talk and say whatever you want to whoever's listening Unlimited amount of time. Well, we'll cut you off at like five minutes. But <laughs> whatever you want to say, um, the mic, the the floor is yours. I am going to say this, dear uh, Nashville food aficionado. Please support your local food trucks. There are some incredible, incredible entrepreneurs making fantastic food 
in the back of trucks. Uh, if you if you give them a chance, read about them, understand what's going on. Not everything's happened. I love restaurants. You love restaurants. It's a great time of year for the next six weeks. Get out in the fall. Enjoy some food from a truck. Um, they uh, they need your help. They need your support. Go to bestfoodtrucks.com or go to your phone device of choice and download the Best Food Trucks app and click on trucks and see what they're doing. Check out their menus. It's a really, really cool thing. I love my food truck family. I want you guys to love your food truck family too. And by the way, if by any chance you see me out there, come buy some food um, because I need you to. And I really enjoy feeding people. And uh, and I'm looking forward to feeding <laughs> you in a little while, Brandon. Um, and uh, and we will uh, we'll see you around. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for spending time today on Nashville Restaurant Radio, your inaugural interview. And uh, this, I uh, can't wait to get this out there. Thank you, BJ Luffback. There it is. The interview with BJ Luffback. Want to say thank you to him for doing this and thank you for listening. We will definitely have a round two of that interview as we have so much more under the surface that we are going to uncover there. Uh, we've even teased maybe even doing just a YouTube, like a 10 minute YouTube interview just to follow up on some things that, uh, that I feel like I need to know. So, um, this week, big week this week, we have got Tabor Lucky, who is the new owner of all the corner pubs. Uh, not the original corner pubs, just the corner pubs, as well as Esquina Cantina. He comes on and talks about his story over the last year and what that's been like and kind of who he is. His uh, director of operations, Corey, jumps on the uh, podcast as well. And then we've got Charlie Nelson coming up um, in the next week. And then we've got a guy named Justin Biltonen who is going to be coming on the show. And he is the bass player for Three Doors Down. And he has a new solo project that he's doing. It's a country thing. But, I, you know, as I'm always trying to find the intersection here, he's a Nashville guy. And I want to know what his kind of thoughts are, what his quarantine's been like, why he's pivoted to this type of music, and what his favorite restaurants are. And just to kind of get into... A different perspective. So I'm really excited about bringing that interview to you as well as we continue to branch out as to, to all things restaurant and just kind of keeping it fun. So um, thank you guys for listening. Again, subscribe where you can. And um, I hope that you are being safe. And I uh, love you guys. Bye.